from the book of 2 Corinthians. I speak as concerning reproach as though I had been weak. Howbeit, whereinsoever any is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck. At night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watching often, hunger and thirst, and fasting often, in cold and nakedness. Besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is offended? And I burn not. If I must needs glory, I would glory in of the things which concern my affirmities. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. In Damascus, the governor, under Aretas the king kept the city of the Namaxenes with a garrison to Sirius to apprehend me, and through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped his hands. Greetings. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives. That's where you go to support this mission of truth. Well, we are resuming our study in the Acts of the Apostles, and we've been dealing with this story of Paul, how he's went through all these, uh, basically appearing before governors and kings, and he appeals to Caesar. And so now, in this chapter, he's on his way to Rome, but of course, even in this situation, he has to deal with another uh, just massive event of struggle, uh, where they, the Roman centurions make some bad decisions about sailing, which leads to the ship being destroyed and and all that. You know, Paul talks about in Corinthians, which uh, you should have heard at the beginning of the broadcast, all the things that he's been through. And one of them was shipwrecked. And that's the story that we're getting ready to read right now. We think about our own affirmities and our own struggles. They're nothing compared to what Paul dealt with. You know, and Paul is told in our, in our study in the book of Acts towards the beginning that he would be shown how much he would suffer for the name of Christ. He was beaten, he was stoned, he was shipwrecked, he'd been cold, he'd, he'd been uh, in, in tr or in, in caught up in 
troubles with robbers, with by his own countrymen, by the heathen, by the city, in the wilderness, in the sea, among false brethren. He says, and that's nothing. That's, that's the outward stuff, but what really bothers me, what comes upon me every day, is the inward broken heart, heart that I have because of my love for the churches. He says, if I'm going to glory in anything, it's not going to be that I'm a Hebrew, that I'm an Israelite, that I'm a descendant of Abraham. It's going to be in the affirmities which I have suffered for the cause of Christ. So with that backdrop, let's read this story of Paul on his way to Rome. Open up your hearts, and I pray that you would be blessed this morning. Let's begin. Acts chapter 7 verse 1 When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, they proceeded to, live, to deliver Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius, and embarking in an Adramitan ship which was about to sail to the regions along the coast of Asia, we put out to sea accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica. The next day we put in Sidon, and Julius treated Paul with consideration and allowed him to go to his friends and receive care. From there we put out to sea and sailed under the shelter of Cyprus because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed through the sea along the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra and Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy, and he put us aboard it. And when we had sailed slowly for a good many days, with difficulty, and had arrived off Sindus, since the wind did not permit us to go farther, we sailed under the shelter of Crete, off Solomon, and with difficulty, sailing past it, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was the city of Lycia. When considerable time had passed, and the voyage was now dangerous, since even the fast was already over, Paul began to admonish them, and said to them, Men, I perceive that the voyage will certainly be with damage and great loss, not only of the cargo and of the ship, but also of our lives. Please note, a couple of things I want to note. Sometimes we forget that Luke is the author, right? And notice he's using uh, words like we, meaning he went with them also. And we don't think of Luke being shipwrecked, but that's that's what seems to be the case here. Also, um, understanding that in that region, there was a period of time. Actually, let me just read it to you. So, it says here, When considerable time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous, since even the fast was already over, Paul then warns them, Hey, if we try to go out to sea, we're in big trouble, right? So, what's happening is this travel in the open sea was dangerous from mid-September to mid-November, after which it ceased together until February. Since the fast, it's talking about the Day of Atonement of late September or early October, was passed, 
Further travel was already extremely hazardous. That's what the study Bible says. So basically what it's talking about is it was a period of time in the fall um, where that was not good. was not good to travel. So that's what's going on there. All right, continuing on. Let me get my bearings here. Okay. So Paul says, Men, I perceive that the voyage will certainly be with damage and great loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the Satyrium is more persuaded by the pilot and by the captain of the ship than by what was being said by Paul. Because the harbor was not suitable for wintering, the majority reached a decision to put out the sea from there, if somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. And when a moderate south wind came up, supposing that they had attained their purpose, they weighed anchors and began sailing along Crete, close in shore. But... Before very long there rushed down from the land a violent wind called Uraquilo. Please note, this Uraquilo was like a known storm. Um, so the word in Greek, you're looking at Euro's east wind, and the Lat word Aquilo, north wind. This is a strong, dangerous windstorm, which was greatly feared by those who sailed in the Mediterranean. Uh, so that it was this type of storm that developed during those months at the Yom Hakipurim, the Day of Atonement. You know, that oct to that late September to basically February where this storm could develop. So it says before very long. So they're sailing and they're trying to stay kind of close to with, with the shore in view for safety. But what something it says that... Before very long, there rushed down from the land a violent wind called Urquillo, verse 15. And when the ship was caught in it, and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and let ourselves be driven along, running under the shelter of a small island called Claudia. We were scarcely able to get the ship's boat under control. After they had hoisted it up, they used supporting cables and undergirding the ship, and fearing that the night that they might run around on the shallows of Sistrus, they let down the sea anchor, and in this way let themselves be driven along. The next day, as we were being violently storm-tossed, they began to jesten the cargo, and on the third day they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands since neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small storm was assailing us. From then on, all hope of our being saved was gradually abandoned. And when they had gone a long time without food, then Paul stood up in their midst and said, Men, you ought to have followed my advice and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this damage and loss. Yet now I urge you to keep up your courage, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood before me, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. Therefore, keep up your courage, men. 
for I believe God that it will turn out exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on a certain island. Please note, notice that everyone's losing courage and hope. These satyrian men, these men of war, amongst other prisoners. And then we have Paul the Christian, right? The only one not afraid. Of course, he has the benefit of talking to an angel. And I wish we had more to that story. Like, I wish Paul would have written more about that interaction where this angel shows up and tells him to be of good courage, that he's, he and all the people that are with him are going to be preserved, but the boat's going to be lost, and they're going to be shipwrecked on an island. But Paul stands up and he says this. He's trying to encourage the people not to give up hope. Verse 27. But when the fourteenth night came, and we were being driven about in the Atrix Sea about midnight, the sailors began to surmise that they were approaching some land. They took soundings and found it to be twenty fathoms. A little farther on they took another sounding and found it to be about fifteen fathoms. Fearing that we might run aground somewhere on the rocks, they cast four anchors from the stern and wished for daybreak. But as the sailors were trying to escape from the ship and had let down the ship's boat into the sea, on the pretense of intending to lay out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, Unless these men remain in the ship, you yourselves cannot be saved. Please note, a couple of things to note. They realize that there must be land somewhere close by. It says, that it says and they wished for daylight. This is the difference between those of us who know God and those who don't. Those of us who know God, we don't wish, right? In this situation, we wouldn't be like, oh, I wish the sun would break. We'd be begging God for it to happen. The one who controls all things. Second thing to note is Paul's warning, hey, this is an all or nothing deal. If these men leave the ship, it's over for all of you. Everyone needs to obey what God has said. Verse 32. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it fall away. Until the day was about to dawn, Paul was encouraging them to take some food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day. Did you have been constantly watching and going without eating, having taken nothing? Therefore I encourage you to take some food, for this is for your preservation, for not a hair from your head of any of you will perish. Please note that not a hair of your head thing is kind of like a Hebrew idiom or a phrasing, uh, a very common Jewish saying. You can find it in all kinds of scriptures, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, Luke. It's basically... Um, denoting absolute protection is what it means. Like there's nothing to fear. Not even, a, not even a hair of your head is going to be touched. Right? And Paul's saying, do not be afraid. Not even a hair of your head is going to be lost in this c catastrophe that we're facing. Verse 35, Having said this, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of all, and he broke it and began to eat. All of them were encouraged, and they themselves also took food. 
All of us in the ship were 276 persons, and when they had eaten enough, they began to lighten the ship by throwing out the wheat into the sea. When day came, they could not recognize the land, but they did observe a bay with a beach, and they resolved to drive the ship into it if they could. And casting off the anchors, they let them in the sea, while at the same time they were loosening the ropes to the rudders and hoisting the foresail to the wind. And they were heading for the beach, but striking a reef where two seas met, they ran the vessel aground. And the prow stuck fast and remained immovable, but the stern began to be broken up by the force of the waves. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoner so that none of them would, would swim away and escape, but the centurion, wanting to bring Paul safely through, kept them from their intention and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land, and the rest should follow, some on planks and others on various things from the ship. And so it happened that they were all brought safely to land. And that, my friends, is the end of our study in the book of Acts for this morning. Wild. I try to, you know, when you read these stories, you have to try to insert yourself into the shoes of these people. I mean, I don't know about you, but that's this scenario that's happening would be terrifying for me personally. I don't do well with open water and all that stuff. And it just, it's hard not to feel for Paul. He's, I mean, his whole life, since his conversion, he spent a quarter of his life in prison. A quarter of it. How many of us would be of such great faith if we spent one of every four days imprisoned? Not to mention the beatings the shipwreckings and all these things. And yet, here he is breaking bread, praising God, and encouraging 200 people, some of which who have imprisoned him. Amazing story. Well, that's our broadcast for this morning. I pray you've been blessed in the powerful name of Jesus. Thank you for listening. Thank you to those of you who are Patreon subscribers and those who support through PayPal and the mail. You've made this happen for over seven years, going on eight years now. Thank you so much for uh, believing in the work that's being done here. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.